0: Hey, it's Tim, and this is Act 3 of the San Francisco Podcast. Let me get you up to speed. In Act 1, we talked about geography, and it went Bay, Mountains, Fog, Golden Gate. In Act 2, we talked about history, which progressed thusly. Spanish colonialism, U.S. control, gold rush, earthquake, World War II, beat generation, tourism. Now you know. All right, back to the show in three, two, one. So I feel like we've gotten a good sense of the, the things leading up to the now. I think so. Okay, good. You ready for Act 3? Let's do it.
1: Act 3, a trip to the city.
0: Stadtgeist.
1: Would you like to tell our listeners what the hell that is? Because I heard it, and I was like, the hell are you doing, Tim?
0: Um, I'm surprised no one else has coined it, actually. It seems like something some silly academic would have come up with. But uh, basically, if you're familiar with the term zeitgeist, um, zeitgeist is essentially the spirit of the time. So as we talked earlier before, the Victorian era was this sort of spirit of, yes, we can do anything, look how the world is opening before us. Uh, let's keep inventing stuff and wearing powdered wigs. I'm, I'm filling in that last part. but uh, Or, uh, also to talk about the zeitgeist of the tech boom, it was just like, computers are the future, websites, everything physical is going to go away.
1: And the zeitgeist so, of now is social media. It's everywhere. Yeah. We need to be connected at all times.
0: It must be, yeah, exactly. Why don't you have your smartphone out right now? <laughs> so the zeitgeist... Uh, Zeit being uh, sort of time and Geist being spirit. I'm I apologize to German-speaking listeners because I'm sure I've mangled your language, but Geist is definitely sort of the spirit half of the word, and Stadt is city. So Stadtgeist would be sort of the spirit of the city, and so this it's the sort of sense in how Chicago has a unique feel, Seattle has a unique feel, New York City very unique, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm terming that the Stadtgeist, but it's fun to say. It sure is. Yeah. So, uh, you ready to go? We're gonna just, we're gonna, we're gonna sort of take a toll. I got my walking yeah? shoes
1: on. Be good.
0: Okay. Well, let's turn this up right here. Okay. Now, as you can hear, we are on the Caltrain heading up the peninsula, that sort of San Francisco peninsula. Heading, I don't know if that's what it's called. Uh, we're heading into the city. Um,. And, uh, the Caltrain is sort of this light inner city rail it, it connects San Francisco with San Jose Which is to the south It actually goes a little further south than that But since there are so many As we talked about property values before And density issues There are so many big companies that Are based along that peninsula You've got you know, your Google, your Facebook, uh, etc But people want to live in San Francisco This rail does a lot of the heavy lifting As far as people getting in and out of the city And it sort of runs through the eastern bay side Of the city
1: Caltrain is just one of the ridiculous number of public transit systems in San Francisco. Um, so there's Caltrain, BART, Muni Muni Bus, streetcar, cable car, and ferry. That's insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's... Those are just separate systems. Those are each all pretty big systems. Right. Um, except the cable car, which is actually pretty small and mostly used for tourists. But, so we're actually going to take a tour using all these public transit systems. Because, you know, you and I are not big fans of driving. I wouldn't totally recommend driving in, in San Francisco if you didn't have to. I, so.
1: I cities. I would say avoid it if you can, except for maybe Dallas.
0: Yeah, well, L.A., that's a driving city. Oh, yeah. All those terrible cities that we hate because you have to drive.
1: <laughs> we don't um, hate them.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: so, anyway, we, while we've been talking about all this, arguing about why cities are terrible, we've been on the CalTrain and we're going to get off in Soma which stands for South of Market Area, and quite logically, it's the area south of Market Street. And um, just so, we were just taking this Caltrain to this really beautiful industrial area. Beautiful industrial area? I'm sorry, that's a lie. Industrial area.
0: <laughs> it's uh, dystopian, that's what it is.
1: And um, so where we are, a lot of Soma is very, very nice, but um, so there's large swaths of this area, um, that are in this urban development narrative in which industrial areas become dangerous and then are seen as edgy and cool and then and, the start hipsters to, move in. and hipsters move in but then they get gentrified which means that because edgy and cool people are living there more expensive things are being sold there because yuppies are there who are traditionally edgy and cool wannabes and then they get really nice and this happens all over the country
0: as well oh yeah this is this is a standard narrative this is you know the the classic is sort of the greenwich village in new york where uh it was dangerous and then people like bob dylan moved in and like there was a whole arts community and then people like uh um you know like the olsen twins or something like that (laughs) sort of like celebrities who want to and then it it finally becomes like oh you live in the village that's really nice that's it's a good area
1: (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, I think everybody can pick out an area. If they live in, like, a small city or a large city, anybody who lives in, like, a city of any size could probably point out something like this in their area.
0: Yeah. And so so in SOMA, we sort of see that we're in sort of the beginning of this trend. It's it's, it's starting to sort of get hipstery, Um And this it, is sort of just a the theory. I don't have anything to back this up. But it kind of seems like just because of the wealth and sort of this west coast hipsterness thing um the city seems to actually roll through these cycles pretty quickly and we're gonna see that in a couple other neighborhoods too but uh well we are waiting here at the bus stop in this not too edgy neighborhood in, in soma uh, area in soma and uh the bus is here and we're gonna take it up to twin peaks oh Sound my good?
1: god i love how quickly the bus comes i didn't have to wait at all
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I use NextBus, so. Oh, okay. Because they have NextBus in San Francisco. Some people
1: have different systems. You just gotta respect <sighs> that.
0: Yeah. Well, some people need to inform me of what those systems are. Very some confused. people
1: need to ask.
0: I did. You took a whole day to text me back.
1: <laughs> ask other people. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah that's what I should have done. How about
1: I'm not your? Bi- How about that? <laughs>
0: uh. So while we're on the bus, let's. Uh, this seems like a good time to sort of talk about the roads, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Talk about
0: it. So, a lot of cities in America, anyway, have a beltway. So, the sort of classic case is Washington, D.C., which has, they talk about if you're inside the beltway or outside the beltway. But it's, it's a highway that loops the city, so you can sort of get around it, and then also sort of get from one point to another, and then go back into it. Uh, but instead, uh, because you can't really build a beltway around a city that has water on three sides of it, you, they instead went for this sort of European-style um, and harkening back to Daniel Burnham and his vision as Napoleon III's Paris here, uh, we have arter- arterial thoroughfares, which is just something that makes me glad I'm not an urban planner because I'd have to say that a lot. Difficult. <laughs> so these are just big roads that cut through the city, and they're sort of like the main drags. And what's good about this uh, is it sort of increases the walkability because you're not there's not underpasses and overpasses all the time. Right. There's just roads. But uh, it makes driving through it really irritating because you have to stop so much because you can't just go, you know.
1: Seattle's actually organized like that, and our big arterial, one of our big arterial thoroughfares, Aurora, has a big median through the center of it, so you really can't get across it. Like you can't get from one side of Aurora to the other side because of that giant effing median.
0: Uh, Yeah, I remember driving on that. That is pretty awful.
1: Yeah, it sucks.
0: Medians are the worst. I just hate them. Get rid of them. Yeah. But you also you also have I-5 cutting straight through the city, yeah. so... Yeah,
1: so we we have a couple different throwfares.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, yes, we are not urban planners, transit engineers, or anything like that. The other problems here is the buses just stop all the time. So, I mean, there's frozen cons, so, to my eye. And uh, we're here, that was a really fast trip. I think the bus really would usually take a lot longer than that. It's a good thing we're in podcast land. <laughs>
1: Where time is irrelevant to event,
0: event. <laughs> So yeah, we're, we're in Twin Peaks And uh, this is a really good time to talk about the geography Because we're on the top of a big hill And uh, there, there are a lot of hills count throughout the city San Francisco's famous as a hilly city mm-hmm. But the key feature as far as the climate Which again is also famous in San Francisco There's that famous quote about The coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco Not from Mark Twain As believed by many um but these mountains that we're standing on is uh they they run down straight down the center of the city sort of forming like a spine so there's a little low land on each side of it and we're on top of the big central one as you look around uh you can see that these houses are so nice oh my god they're so big too uh and they've got you know walls and gates and all all this crazy stuff and this is a really good example of something that i've really noticed in san francisco which is this like one-to-one correlation between wealth and altitude
1: that that makes sense though because i mean flooding is an issue
0: it's not really an issue
1: it's not oh not in San Francisco. it is everywhere in washington and so it's very really? true in washington yeah
0: huh that's interesting mm-hmm. but so as you look down this hill you know these houses are you know walled in have gates and just incredible uh and as you go down you kind of go into like oh, these are sort of like nice Victorian homes with a tiny little yard, and that's cute. And then you go a little further down, and you're like, well, no more yard, but still pretty good. And then you kind of get to the bottom, and you're like, these don't look nice. Why is that guy standing on the corner with that butterfly knife? (laughs) (laughs) Because people still do that, right? Maybe they do. I don't know. (laughs) I haven't seen it.
1: That's because you're not spending the time on street corners.
0: Yeah, that's my problem. So these mountains effectively divide the city into the eastern and western halves. So let's look to our left, western side. We can see the less urban side of the city. um, And that gets more of the cold, windy fog from the Pacific. That's what they're talking about when they talk about the crazy fog that is always in San Francisco. um, Basically because it's just exposed to the Pacific Ocean. Now we look to our right. Look to our right. Good. Uh, We can see it's, it's a little more urban and also... Uh, it's, it's noticeably more sunny, especially in the valleys, in the real low parts, uh, and it rarely gets that sort of, like, pea soup fog where you can't even see through anything. Right, right. Um, basically, because any fog that gets over there, just the, the very slight increase in warmth means it sort of burns up. So you may have a cloudy day, but you're not likely to get a really foggy day. Now, this is a really good example of the just incredible weather variations we see. You can actually see variations of up to nine degrees block to block in San Francisco. Wow. Kind of crazy. And especially because the San Francisco, like, uh, between winter and summer, really has at most a variation of, like, ten degrees. <laughs> and so, just going place to place, you can see more variation than waiting six months. <laughs> That's
1: funny. I like so. that about San Francisco.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is the sort of city where you always bring a light sweater with you just in case. And you pretty much always wear long pants. Just because... If you're wearing shorts, eh, people kind of go like, oh, "I think that guy's a tourist." That's...
1: What? What if you wear cool shorts?
0: Are there cool shorts? There are. I don't think so on men.
1: I mean, they're just hard to do because men have hairy legs. But I mean, to be yes. fair, I could wear shorts, and people would be so happy.
0: <laughs> thinking, thinking quite a bit of yourself there.
1: Well, I'm a confident person.
0: <laughs> Spreading joy with my bare legs, as always. <laughs> hey, you ready? We're going on some bikes.
1: Let's move on. With
0: our bikes, do I have okay. a helmet? Uh, yes. Here's one for you. Okay. Good. good. Snap it on. You gotta wear your helmet. That's true. So, so uh, this city's actually very bike friendly because they're very conscious of that. And a really good example of this is, uh, first we get to go downhill, and this is fun. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was fun. Um, but to avoid going through going having to go uphill and downhill, uphill and downhill, we're gonna take the wiggle awesome and the wiggle yeah the wiggle is this sort of well-known route through the city uh which at some points people just know but also they have signs up sometimes that say the wiggle which is pretty cool and it sort of wiggles back and forth sort of left and right left turn right turn left turn right turn at streets to avoid all the hills and uh it's pretty cool because actually this is something that came up in the spanish colonial days people walking from place to place were just like oh we got to figure out something here
1: i, I really like that because I realized recently that I've always been a really bad route planner because I'll always take the longest way somewhere just without if I walk without thinking about it. And I realized that the reason I take really long ways is that I will take the least hilly route, even if it's like twice as long.
0: Oh, nice! So you're just uh, you're like electricity, you just go with a
1: least resistance, you,
0: you know, the, you take the low energy path, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> or you're like a ball rolling. <laughs> We're also, I have to mention this, we're also going to pass the Full House Houses. We're heading north, by the way. Um, And I just love the Full House Houses. (laughs) (laughs) As you should, Tim. Everywhere you look, everywhere you look, there's a home. Somebody who needs you. A lot of singing in this one. And we're also passing through the Presidio, which is where the original Spanish fort was, and Fort Mason. And both of these are preserved as non-urban space, still. Um, They're not parks, because they have things constructed there, like permanent residences and stuff. But they're not urban. When when you're there, it feels very strange, because you're still within city limits. But it's like being out in the woods, I don't know. And, uh, alright, we sort of rode along the coast there, the northern coast. Through all the, the non-urban space, wow. so we I am at really landed at Girardelli Square. In podcast yeah, land. we're so good. <laughs> I know this is why this is why we live in podcast land, because I'm better looking. I'm faster at riding a bike.
1: <laughs> you can wear shorts.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're in Girardelli Square, and there are just so many tourists, and it just, it's just, oh god,
1: well, it's it looks like they need a bike, so let's give her bikes to them.
0: So, we got this big hill that we have to take to get to downtown, but I think we should do it on the streetcar, which is actually a really handy way to get over those hills. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, like I said before, they're they're pretty minimal, but uh, they don't cover a lot of area, but they actually are pretty useful, because it's, it's kind of a big hill, and I'd rather not have That's to go over it. And part of the right? culture, man. Sure, yeah. You eat some rice-a-roni. Uh,
1: San Francisco treat. Ding, ding. Yep, exactly.
0: And you ride the streetcar. And you and sing you, uh, clang,
1: clang, clang with the trolley
0: uh... no one should ever sing that <laughs> but i will Clang, clank <laughs> no, we're done um, so now we uh... stop we're downtown the financial district we've got all these tall buildings around us fancy and this people, is a, yeah right everybody's so like wearing suits and bustling i don't know <laughs> they, they've got places to go and so what the other thing that's really cool because all these tall buildings are here um, we actually have sub microclimates, not just the regular microclimates, but even smaller areas there where it's like, oh, it's windy near this building, but not near this building, because you've got mountains, and then you've got sort of smaller mountains in the form of buildings. Here's a fun fact. What is it? Uh, you're a girl, right? I think so. A woman? Yeah.
1: I'm I'm a lady.
0: Lady, ooh.
1: I'm pretty sure you introduce me as a lady at the beginning of every podcast, don't you?
0: Yeah, but I don't really start engaging with the words I'm saying until at least a couple minutes in. Ah, okay.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So if you're a lady though, you can actually just go get free drinks there because it's so businessmen oriented there. There's and it's the financial capital like like we talked about.
1: And not businesswoman oriented.
0: No, it's not that game.
1: This is stupid. It just makes yeah. me so upset. <laughs> okay.
0: But because of this weird, I don't know, like it's it's a world that's foreign to me, but apparently I've heard this from multiple women, which is that you can pretty much just kind of go and flirt with some businessmen after they get off work, and get a couple of free drinks and then leave, and that's kind of it. Fun field trip? I don't know.
1: We should do that field trip together, Tim.
0: Yeah, I'll put on a wig.
1: (laughs) Show off those great legs.
0: Yeah, I'll (laughs) put on some shorts. (laughs) All right, you ready to get on the BART? Let's
1: go on the BART. I'm so tired after that bike ride. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Do you hear that screaming sound? That is the BART howling. <laughs> it's so loud on the train. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with it, but this is how it is, so whatever. BART stands for...
1: Bay Area Regional Transit.
0: Bing! And that serves uh, much of the Bay Area. It really covers quite a bit of it. Um, now, it serves a lot of different areas in the East Bay. goes north, south, whatever, all over the place. Really out to the suburbs and beyond. Um, But it it really only runs on this one line through San Francisco, so mostly it's it's sort of a way for people to get from all spread out places in the Bay, or in the East Bay, to San Francisco and back. So it doesn't really cover the city that well. But what it does do is make those areas of the city super, super accessible, and so things have grown up around that area. And, if you're ready, short BART ride. Not a lot of stops, no transfers, all that. Oh, good. We're here in the mission. What's in the mission? Uh, Well, this this was where the Spanish put their mission, originally.
1: Oh, I was wondering about the name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nailed it. And uh, the mission is very strange, because depending on the street, it's either where sort of working class Latino families live, and, you know, they're selling... there's a lot of, like, Mexican dollar stores and stuff where you can buy odds and ends. Or I always walk past this table that has all these cell phone chargers. Like, not in packages, just a huge pile of cords. And you can sort of... You bring your cell phone and you see if it fits in each one. And when you find the one that fits, you know, you buy it for a dollar.
1: Like the Cinderella of cell phone chargers. Yes, exactly.
0: It's It's the Cinderella story brought into a gritty urban environment. <laughs> and updated for the go-getter of today. Um... So depending on the street, uh, you can either have this this working class Latino families or rich white hipsters. It's it's a real hipster place right now.
1: So what part of the gentrification cycle would you say the mission
0: is? I'd say it's later. Um, sort of the the hip, the, the the cool creative wannabes would probably live there now. It's not nice. Um, so it's actually it's a nice area. It's got you know, uh, it, it's weird because it has services for both working class Latino families and rich white hipsters. So. If you need a cafe with free Wi-Fi, done. There's, like, three on every block. Uh-huh. And, like I said, if you need a cell phone charger off of a big pile, also easy to get. Maybe some pupusas. I don't know. Whatever you like.
1: I don't like pupusas.
0: You don't? No? No, I don't
1: like them.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm not crazy about them. Eh, it's just easy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, why, why don't we take a walk? We'll get on the Muni Rail. Okay. Uh, and so we have to go up through the Castro for this, which is just slightly up the hill. And as we know, I mean, this is also slightly nicer. So slightly up the hill from the mission. And uh, the Castro is famous for being sort of outrageously gay. Like, ooh, that's, that's the best <laughs> I can do. Is that your queen impression? Yeah, sorry. I, um, but, uh, I, you know, to me, it just kind of seems like it's a super nice neighborhood. You know, it's probably because it's a little uphill. And there's, yeah, there's rainbow flags, and you can, you know, you just see more men holding hands. But, well, whatever. It's... Hey. So we're here. The, the Muni Rail has pulled up. And, uh, getting on. And this is... It's pretty cool, because it, it runs partly as a subway in the downtown area, and then it just sort of comes above ground and becomes a streetcar everywhere else. And they have these, um, all the cars are set up so that if there's a platform available, you step out of the platform because trains are always very high off the ground. But if there's not, the cars actually have stairs that extend down automatically. Oh, and it's cool. sort of like getting on from the street, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, maybe you have some comment on this, but I, on the West Coast, it seems like there are very few sort of full-blown this. Subway runs underground. That's what it it's an underground train. You see a lot more streetcars. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe that has to just do with they've got more space.
1: I mean, yeah, maybe it's a space issue. My theory is that um, we think that riding on a, or maybe people from the East Coast would agree with us, is that I think that riding just purely underground is really dark. <laughs> yeah. And if you're both above ground, either elevated or like street level. Uh, at least for a part of your ride, that's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing.
0: Well, sure. The problem with street level, though, is you have to deal with street traffic.
1: True. Uh, that's why they put it on elevated. And that's kind of what we're working on in Seattle right now. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: interesting because in the, the I mean, New York and places like that, it'll be elevated sort of in the outskirts of the city, the mm-hmm. less urban, and then it goes underground for downtown.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's similar to what we're doing. Yeah. Here, I don't know about San Francisco, I guess. They like rails. I mean, they have the cable car. It's in their history.
0: Yeah, there you go. They gotta bring in that tourist cash. (laughs) Alright, so we're here, finally. Uh, We had to go all the way under those big hills to the west side of the city. Or, in some cases, sort of over the hills. Uh... And we are in the Sunset, which is such a nice, poetically named neighborhood on the western side of the city. And they always pair this with Richmond, which is uh, the other sort of less urban neighborhood of the city. And uh, pretty much the way I would sum these up is they're where you live if you have a family in San Francisco. And aren't fantastically rich. <laughs> Those are the two things. So, I mean, a lot of people live here. Uh, and this is this is the foggy area. And when it's foggy, it's like, whoof, And then, oh, look, there's some fog rolling in now. Remember how we're here? Whew. Oh, no, the spirits of the dead are in the fog.
1: It quickly turns into an M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) movie.
0: Yeah, oh, there's the twist of this podcast. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so now, you know, we're standing in the fog, and you look down these streets. They're long, straight, grid-like, you know, avenues and streets crossing them. And when you look down the streets, you just see it just stops at the ocean, and there's just fog everywhere, and... It feels like the whole world has been desaturated. Like there's just no color and it's it's sort of this weird desolateness. Like there were over. Dementors
1: around in the fog. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. That's what
0: I thought. Oh good, Typical. let's stop in that chocolate shop. <laughs> One pretty great thing about this area is that it's a pretty short walk to Golden Gate Park, which is a pretty large park. Um, it's sort of a long green strip that cuts in. It, it has its western border on the ocean. And then juts about halfway into the city, so that's what, three and a half miles? So it's pretty far. Um, and it's basically the result of this sort of relentless terraforming project, which basically, th- th- this whole area was this just like windy sand dunes with, you know. <sighs> oh,
1: um, kind of like the book dune?
0: Yeah, In yeah, which
1: terraforming is a major theme?
0: Yeah, probably a lot. Like, I should read that, huh?
1: That's okay.
0: Right, so this, this sort of harkens back to the sort of treeless, barren landscape that was described early on in San Francisco's life, but what happened was during this early part of the 1900s, uh, during the engineering boom, um, they worked really hard to terraform this thing into, it's actually a really biologically diverse recreation landscape, it's, you know, they have fields and for some reason they have buffalo there, I don't know why, It's <laughs> um, like a buffalo pen. And yeah, lots of different kinds of trees, etc., etc., things that don't naturally grow there, because it, it basically was a sand dune, uh, free of free of those giant worms, for whatever reason, but massive. And so, I mean, to me, this is sort of indicative of San Francisco as a whole. This gets at that magic word, the Stadtgeist, Um which is that, so the, the city, San Francisco, we already talked about it like a million times. It's a really desirable place to be for military, economic reasons, and also, I mean, the weather. If in the winter the high is like sixty-two, and in the summer the high is like seventy-two, that's pretty comfortable. People like that. The problem, though, is that it's really just not good for building the sort of traditional city that people want to build. Right. There's there's not a lot of water. The hills are everywhere. So you got to build on hills. You've got these. Earthquakes because it's right by these two different fault lines, and you know the whole all of nature is saying stay away from here, just just back off. You can come to visit, but don't don't it's it's a bad idea.
1: I mean, less so than maybe the Gobi Desert. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, you're doing better than a lot of places. I think we go back to Father Font here, and that it's a super great place to like to be, but maybe it's not really designed to support a city But Well, it's the spirit of the West, and it's the Victorian zeitgeist, as we discussed earlier. Right, of course. And we're just going to say, we're putting a city here. You can't stop us. We want those economic and military advantages. And so let's just keep throwing money and engineering resources at it, and we will make it work the way we want it. We will control it. It's going to work. So, I mean, you see this everywhere. You've got all those giant bridges, and then you've got this Transbay tube, which the BART goes under. You know, it's an underwater tube, which is pretty crazy because it, it, it's not coupled to the land-based part of the underground system. So, on neither end. So, it, it's a sort of a floating tube. Right. Um, and the, the point is because you really don't want an earthquake to happen while people are in that thing, because then it's just over for them. Uh, and then, you know, we put in these, these special, uh, isolated foundations in all the major cities so that they don't crash in an earthquake. And then we have to, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, this Hetch Hetchy thing, man, what's that about? <laughs> but the park, the park is where we really get to it. Um, they really just couldn't get anything to grow and they had to put all this work in to it. And it was just years and years of like, how are we going to make this thing happen? But they were going to make it happen. I mean, so why did they put all this effort into the park? And here's my theory. You ready? I'm ready. So we talked about all this counterculture uh, and how that sort of took root and helped define San Francisco. But when the counterculture showed up, instead of seeing, like, the two warring factions of, okay, you got the hippies over here and sort of the fascists over here who are just, like, going to design and control everything, uh, you sort of see San Francisco manifest this merged philosophy Which is that they're going to exert all this development and this control over the environment and they're going to do it by building parks and (laughs) sort of like green liberal pursuits. Um, And even, I mean this is what what gets me, is like as you walk down these little alleyways you'll see like there's a teeter-totter and some swings and it has a sign that says it's a park. That's really sweet though. Yeah, it's really cool actually. Um, I'm not saying I'm against it even though I've used language as such. Um, (laughs)
1: I think it's great. I'm going to state my opinion.
0: But um, between the sort of progressive philosophy that says things should change and the belief in environmental control and modification that says things will change, <laughs> uh, we get this weird spirit of idealistic control that sort of permeates the city. It's like we can build the utopia. and True. I mean, we see that as we sort of stroll through these, these all these parks we keep seeing, the the, the rooftop patios. Vast recreation areas like Golden Gate Park And you've got this public transit infrastructure that Honestly, through all the hills and stuff like that That must have been a really hard system to put together But they were just like, we're doing it Don't care, (laughs) we're we're gonna figure it out I will build a floating tube if I have to (laughs) And we see it when we talk about the mayoral candidates Talking about planting trees And ensuring the right kinds of food options in the park In the same sentence as Crime and the municipal budget. Like these are deeply related issues to them.
1: How do you feel about it, Tim?
0: <laughs> let's 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 talk personal. <laughs> let's go deep. Um honestly it kinda puts me on edge. It's like uh you know, you you've pushed progressivism all the way to the edge, and then this becomes sort of embodied in the physical space of the city. And then you sort of throw that in with the unnerving lack of trees, which, as uh, someone who grew up with trees, I'm really uncomfortable without trees.
1: I am also uncomfortable with not having trees.
0: Yeah, it's wrong, right? I don't know, like, I feel like I'm, like, sitting on a cliff the whole time, like, right on the edge. <laughs> and it's exciting, but it's not comforting, you know?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I can see what you're saying, and it reminds me a lot of really from the from the beginning of the roots it's it's exciting to live there it's a nice place to visit but there's a fault line and all the stuff so it's not a good place to live but i mean at the same time i think so many people are so happy there and like there's a lot of people with so much pride in san, living in san francisco and i'm not talking about gay pride i'm talking about regular pride but i mean gay pride is fine too
0: <laughs> <laughs> just to cover our bases. <laughs>
1: Like, I'm I'm not going to be able to conclude any of these city podcasts with, like, this city is awesome. This city sucks.
0: (laughs) On the range of smiley face to not smiley face.
1: Smiley face.
0: Smiley face? All Me too. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Let's uh, finish this sucker out. Let's do it. A couple of things I just have to mention. Uh, There are these two really crazy people I want to talk about, which didn't fit anywhere, but so much fun. There's the bushman at Fisherman's Wharf, who is great, because uh, basically what he does is, uh, he, the pictures I've seen of him, he's literally just holding a couple of tree branches in front of him, and he's crouched down, like, by some fence or something, like by a trash can. And then whenever anyone comes nearby, he shakes the, the branches and goes, ah! And if they get scared, he, he goes, ah, I got you. You owe me a dollar now. Which, so great. That's,
1: and he's he's a well-loved character. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think he's awesome. That's such, it's really great.
1: I like that someone can scare you and then like get a reputation as being like really well loved.
0: Mm-hmm. My favorite thing is that, according to Wikipedia, which yeah, sure, could not be right, but he he says that on a good year, he'll make in the range of like sixty thousand a year, which is
1: yeah, a pretty good
0: good yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll go
1: out for like fifty dollar lunches. Yeah. So that's a say All right, that's San Francisco.
0: Yeah, you feel like you have a feel for it? I have a
1: strong feel for it now.
0: You ready to leave? I feel like we've been sitting in the park long enough.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful, though. Mm. As the sun goes down. (laughs) Imagine.
0: As the sun sets over the Pacific, we too must move on.
1: Next week, we'll be talking about unique instruments here on the Doom to Fail podcast, so please join us for that. We're talking about some crazy, crazy digital sounds.
0: Cool. So it's the Doom to Fail podcast until next week. And we've got Catherine Cogart over there.
1: And Tim Dobbs over here. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: This episode of Doom to Fail featured music by That's Gosprom. That's G O S P R O M. To hear more episodes of Doom to Fail or to subscribe to the podcast, visit doomtofailpodcast.blogspot.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Google+. See you soon.